This is Alex Massa, and you're listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Bob Nolly. Yes, they are. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? Welcome to the program. This is the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our great guest today, Brad Wachter, is here today from Chicagoland, sitting with us a few minutes to talk about a really interesting industry to be in today. Uh, Before we get to Brad, thank you all for your great feedback. And here is what I'm working on in the lab. Somebody asked me, you know, you said you're working in the lab. I'm getting ready to roll out something that I think will help a lot of people. At least that's what they are telling me. And I want you to help me build it. Now, I'm not talking about sweat equity and sweat labor, but I just want to get feedback from you. And I want to hear about what your needs are. Think about these two concepts we've talked about before. With all of your net worth, 85% of it is attributable your interpersonal skills, 15% to your technical skills. Even that's if that's off by a, a, a mediocre margin, that's still a lot. So wouldn't you want to invest in that? And then remember, your success is less about willpower and more about the environment you're in. You know, I've talked to so many people that said, yeah, that's why I'm glad I found you here. So today, click on the orange button to join the conversation. And here's what will happen. I'm going to send a message to everybody that does that and give you a chance to get a free 15-minute call with me. Maybe longer. We'll see how the scheduling goes. I want to talk to as many, as many of you as I can. But all I want to do is I want to hear what your aches and pains are. I want to hear what you're doing in your life right now, in your career right now. And we can chat for a few minutes, just like you're here on the porch with us. Not going to put you on the air. I'm not going to talk about you on the air, of course. So do that soon because we close the door. That'll be it for now. And I want you on the inside. Okay, I met Brad Walker in a mastermind group. And he's from the Chicago area. I think he's living in Aurora right now, if I'm not mistaken. And he has roots in the area. He went to the University of Illinois. But he's in, a, he's in an industry right now that ends up touching a lot of people. And from my perspective, when I talked about who I thought this show would appeal to and that it would be folks that had a lot of worries in their life and they thought they could solve them if they were in the corner office or just doing better in their job and we talked about the key relationships their friends their children their their partners their spouses but some other stakeholder i mentioned was their parents yeah i won't get into the details of the demographics of the aging of the population here because we've already talked about that but brad is in the senior living industry And he's not running homes and running residences for your family. 
he's helping you recruit people to run them. And he's come up with a pretty interesting uh, business initiative called Recruiter School that he's gonna tell us about. But listen to his description of just what senior living is all about and just how complex it can be and what the value proposition is that he's looking at for the business. Really interesting conversation, all right? So while we're waiting for Brad, just go ahead, click the orange button now to join the conversation. I'll wait for you. Put your name there, email address. Great, I can't wait, we're gonna talk soon. Okay, let's get to Brad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show today. Today is Boomer Day. All the folks that are getting a little gray over the earlobes need to be listening today because we have some important news. All of the exciting things that are happening in the entrepreneurial world are not happening with the millennials. The boomers are right in the middle of all of it. And today is one of the finest guys you will ever meet who's working hard through the issues of recruiting in the senior living industry. Welcome to the program, Brad Walker. Brad, how are you? Well, I'm doing great, Bob, and it's it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, thanks for being here. Now, uh, as we sit here today, uh, it's it's a day after Mother's Day, and so we're a couple of days in arrears on the taping. But uh, so Mother's Day was a big event here, and you know, dads like you and me, many times we have to get that event produced. We have to make that happen. Uh, and it was my kids now are to the point where they're grown. They're like in the mid twenties, and all I had to do was. Uh, are you all doing anything for Mother's Day? Is there anything I need to do? And they go make reservations somewhere. So I'll take care of that for them. But, you know, I don't have to create gifts for them. I don't have to buy cards for them anymore. It's that. But I saw you all yesterday. You all went for a big bike ride somewhere? Yeah, yeah. My kids are still pretty young. Uh, I've got two boys, 12 and 8. And so they... Uh, they are fine-looking young men. You guys do good work. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> they still need a little bit of help uh, preparing a nice Mother's Day for their mom. So... Uh, I'm happy to do that. But yeah, our, our Mother's Day included uh, a bike ride with the four of us and then uh, out to dinner. Wow, that's good. Nicely done, Dad. And I'm sure Heather appreciated that too. So that's all good. Yeah, she sure did. Thank you. So uh, even when they're in their 20s, it's still a big event. You can get more in trouble, in more trouble screwing up Mother's Day than you can screwing up Christmas, I found out over my lifetime. so Yeah, it's and, important. And it's a moving date, too. It's never on the same calendar date. So you look at the calendar, and you're trying to figure out Easter and then Mother's Day somewhere. So in our house, yeah, okay, don't worry, folks. We'll get off of this in a minute. In my house, my wife's birthday is, all, well, one every seven days. It's the same day as Mother's Day. So it's a real extravaganza, and I've got to, we've got to keep all that straight well, too, as well. So uh, I, spring has finally come to Chicagoland, I'm sure, because you're out there in the, uh, in the greater burbs, are you not? We are, yeah. We finally have some nice weather with us. Yeah, it's spring, and we're going to be hitting the 90s in a day or so here in the east. So here it comes, folks. It's really baseball season now. Are you in, are you in Kamitsky or are you in Wrigley Field in the summer? You know, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan. There you go. Looks, Thank you. Looks like uh, we'll have a decent uh, team this year if yeah. all goes well. <laughs> they have been in the news for sure. Your your professional expertise comes out of the HR field. And, you know, this show, we talk a lot about leadership, and it's couched in many different types of places. But for a long time in the corporate world, that's where responsibility for leadership development has lived in HR. Uh, how did you get started in that field? How did you first fall into it? Was it coming right out of school? 
Uh, for me, it was actually. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to have some professors in uh, my undergraduate uh, career that um, uh, were teaching on subjects important for organizational development, organizational behavior. I actually had a professor that uh, helped out the FBI with um, important things like uh, how to hire agents and how to develop them, et cetera. So I kind of found out about the whole field of HR fairly early and then positioned myself to do a graduate degree in the subject, um, which I did. Uh, both my degrees are from the University of Illinois. So I, I had uh, some good training before I hit the, the corporate world. The Fighting Illini. Well done there. That's a beautiful yeah. place. That's a beautiful place. Uh, you, in your in your work there, undergrad or graduate, is there is there one professor you look back to now that sticks out in your mind that you you are very appreciative and thankful for the support they gave you or what they taught you? There is actually, yeah, Doctor Fritz Drasgo, and uh, he's he's still there at the university. He was uh, a very uh, impactful professor to me. Just. Uh, you know, because he wasn't all about the the academics. He he actively did consulting work for large corporations, and you know, told his students just how this information was applicable in a real life business setting. That's excellent. Well, Doctor Fritz, here's the shout out. There you go. I hope that makes your day. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here's here's here, just divert for just a second. Here's not what will not be an embarrassing question. I have basically done everything but aired my transcripts here on this program because I was not the student that was indicative of the University of Virginia where I went. I, I was just a horrible student because you know I found a job at the time that was supposed to be a part time job, but I ended up doing it you know virtually on a full time basis. And so, you know, I was living on fraternity house, too, and you can kind of fill in the blanks there. So when I introduce myself now as, you know, Dr. Bob Nolly and I have this podcast, my fraternity brothers are calling me going, I don't believe it. I need to see some ID. I need, <laughs> I need, I need some proof here. So were you a good student? You know, I didn't start out that way. Uh, I had a really bad couple years of undergrad, not because I wasn't smart, uh, but because I really had no direction. Uh, I didn't have any role models uh, growing up that I could look to to, to to say, okay, this is the academic path I'm going to follow. And uh, then when I got into college, you know, I'm the kind of person where I work really hard if I can see where I'm going and if I don't have that direction. Uh, sometimes I don't apply myself as I might. So I had a rocky start before I found my path, but then I was able to you know, turn on the afterburners and, you know, be that uh, sort of straight A student uh, once I figured it out. Well, good on you there. I, my, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, my parents had set aside for me to be able to go to college and do my undergrad work. I did so poorly there. When I did my master's work, my employer paid for it. And then uh, as, did, as did for my doctoral work too. So <laughs> when I you know, got hooded and went up for graduation. My dad had a copy of my undergrad transcripts on one hand and, and the program from the, from commencement and the other one, he goes, when I'm paying for it, you do this. When somebody else is paying for it, you do this. And he was kind of smiling, but I think, you know, there's an answer. He knows he's never going to get there. If that, yeah. How that happened. That, yeah. that is the journey, you know, so many people take along the way but the important thing is here apparently you found that intersection between what your passion is and and what your uh, your expertise is both academically and certainly now professionally uh 
the senior living industry, the segment, you know, we talk about the aging population and we, we kind of speak perhaps a little too flippantly about that because it's the fastest part of, you know, the boomers are getting older and we're living longer. Uh, what does that industry look like going forward? Uh, you know, ostensibly that says that's good for us. Is it good for us? Uh, yes. And, you know, it, it did take me a while to find that industry. I certainly didn't start out there. Um, but it's where I ended my corporate career before starting my own company. But, yeah, the senior living industry, you know, I never expected to be there professionally. Uh, just sort of fell into it. Uh, but it's a great industry because it's, uh, well, for several reasons. One is uh, it's really a combination of three industries. Um, most people don't look at it this way. But it's one part healthcare. I think that's kind of the, the obvious one that people think of. Uh, it's one part hospitality in that if you go into a senior living community, you really have people doing most of the jobs that you would normally associate with a hotel. Um, and then it's also a, a very much a real estate company because uh, someone's got to own those very expensive pieces of, of property, the communities. Uh, sometimes the operator is also the owner, but very often the owner is – uh, a separate entity could be private owner, could be a, a real estate investment trust, some sort of institutional investor. And so there's a very, very definitely a real estate investment aspect to the industry as well. That's really, thank you for that explanation there. That just layered on some levels of complexity that I personally hadn't, hadn't seen looking at it before. You know, I've, I've had to look for our in-laws, my in-laws to look for a place for them to live uh, in, their, in their later years. And I remember all the, well, I'll just say the trials and tribulations of finding the right place. But when you look at it in terms of what you just pitched, in terms of three different industries there, that's, that's quite a complicated business to be involved in. It is complicated. And, you know, the other thing I, I say to people that aren't familiar with it is it's one of the few industries, if you think about it, where your client – actually lives in the same physical space as you as an employee uh, go to work, right? So um, those of us that have had office jobs, you know, we're, we're somewhat separated from uh, the clients, right? We might go visit them, but they don't, they don't actually, you know, they're not right there with us. But in senior living, that's very much the case. And so if you're a, an executive chef, for example, Boy, you 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 got it tough because uh, you know you you have a bad meal service and you know with a restaurant maybe that guest doesn't come back. But in senior living, they're there the next meal and the next day, and um, you better get it right next time. Oh, so you know I I would think the people that work there, whether they're executive chefs or where they're folks on the clinical medical staff or you know, even on the maintenance staff somewhere, I think to be successful there, it takes a special kind of person. You know, I think, I think you know, mowing the lawn there is different than mowing the lawn at a golf course. I think uh, being the chef there is different than being the chef at, you know, even a four-star restaurant in some big city. And, you know, on the HR side, is that something you saw or are seeing? It, it is very important to keep in mind that um, – you know, folks that work in this industry, in order for them to last, they really have to have a certain level of compassion 
uh, for the people that they're serving. And, you know, in fact, many people are drawn to the industry for just that aspect because they feel like, you know, gosh, my professional skills may enable me to do this and I could do this for a number of different industries. But if I do it here in senior living, then I can kind of feel like I'm doing it for a good cause. And even if that is a, uh, you know, for-profit company, a lot of them are actually non-profit, but even if it's a for-profit company, many of them are very mission-based and, you know, take very seriously their responsibilities to caring for seniors in their later years. And uh, it's part of what, you know, sort of gets people, uh, you know, going in the morning and, uh, and feeling good about the career that they have. In fact, we used to have a term for it um, when I was on the corporate side before I started my recruiting practice. My employer called it the second paycheck. And so what they meant by that is, you know, you get your first paycheck in a monetary form for doing the work that you're qualified to do. But then you get the second paycheck, which comes in the form of uh, feeling good about the work that you do. And that's important. That's that's the thing that helps you at one time or another get your feet on the floor in the morning, as we said before. Uh, Brad Walker here with us on Labrador Leadership Podcast. Hey, Brad, can you tell us the story behind uh, senior living recruiters? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I had had a, a good corporate run. Um, actually, before I got into senior living, I had um, worked for a couple different international companies that. Uh, gave me some great opportunities. I worked for an Australian natural resources company where I helped out their um, uh, worldwide uh, minerals exploration group. So I worked with a bunch of geoscientists all over the world. And then I worked for a Swiss banking company. Um, and so two very different industries than senior living. But uh, I was able to apply my HR management skills to each of them. And there came a point in my corporate career where it was just time to uh, sort of put out my own shingle and, and do my own thing. And I decided that um, I needed to do that. And uh, ultimately, uh, recruiting in that industry that I had come to know well uh, was the right choice for me. So I started Senior Living Recruiters in 2008, which, uh, as you might recall, was not a good economy to start a business in. Not at all. <laughs> but fortunately, uh, uh, senior living is is fairly protected from economic forces in that, um, you know, it is a necessary service uh, to people that are, you know, uh, in, in need of, of having that. And so although it did take a bit of a dip with the housing market, because most people that go into senior living community have to sell their home before doing so. Um, it was still a strong enough economy that I was able to launch the business successfully. So I've been doing it for about seven years now. But that, that's great. Now, at that point, you personally had to make that pivot out of the corporate world and jump into this. Uh, was the fear factor a tough one for you? Um, it was, uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was, uh, I was helped <laughs> in making the leap. Uh, my position was eliminated. Oh, there you go. Uh, okay. Because my company was suffering from some of those economic forces. Yeah, we've all been in that seat. Absolutely. And so the choice I made wasn't really the initial choice to leave the corporate world, but it was the choice to not go back. Uh, I had reached a point at that time where I said, uh, I've got to make this business work uh, because I, I'm no longer feeling like 
I, I fit climbing the corporate ladder. When you hit that <clears throat> fork in the road to be able to act just like that is just, you know, good on you. Well done, sir. Uh, so what are you working on now? Well, we're, we're really uh, blessed to have over the years, um, you know, formed relationships with uh, several different companies that are very loyal clients. And uh, we recruit for people that run senior living companies. Uh, we do it all over the United States. Uh, common positions that we recruit for are within the operations, within the sales and marketing, within the uh, healthcare sort of verticals within the industry. And then we also have a kind of a subspecialty. Uh, we do an awful lot of work for new construction senior living communities. And we come in and we hire the initial management team for communities that are just being built. And the, the, the value proposition there is that, you know, that's a really important time to get your hiring decisions right because someone has just spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars building this thing and it better be run properly in order to start uh, producing a return on investment. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of what we're, we do. And um, uh, we're a small firm. There's uh, three of us that work uh, closely together. And the way I explain our, our value to our clients for those that are not familiar with, uh, with what recruiters do is we're able to get at what's called the, the passive candidates. Uh, so if you're a company and um, uh, you go and, and, and recruit for a position that you have open, um, largely uh, the techniques you use are about uh, providing different ways for people to find out about your opening through advertisement. So it may be the online job postings, it could be other forms of advertisement. And that's good to a point. Uh, unfortunately, if you're someone that's not actively looking to make a change, you're not going to notice those advertisements. And so those techniques only reach a certain percentage of the market. It, it varies depending on the study you look at anywhere between 10 and 20 percent of the relevant labor pool are going to see those advertisements. And so our techniques get at the rest of that group, what, what are called the passive candidates. Well, and I think about the kind of candidate you'd be looking for, not that I'm, you know, we're going to be pitching to folks here in this conversation at this point. But when you go back to the three, the three industries that we talked about, the, the clinical side of it and the hospitality side of it and the real estate construction side of it, you know, the, the leader at the top of the house really has to have some sort of vision and, uh, and clarity of knowledge about those areas that would seem like to be a very narrow uh, candidate pool there. It can be, yes. Um, you know, and and companies will differ at the the way in which they look at that issue. Um, but many times, still, uh, companies that we work for will want someone with prior industry experience. In fact, not only that, but. Uh, even someone that has, for example, run a similar size community, uh, a similar type community, you know, so it, it does can be very specific. Um, you know, larger companies, they may have management training programs that can help someone that's maybe outside the industry uh, learn the ropes. Um, but, um, you know, unless you're a company with a lot of resources, you you tend to want to find someone that can hit the ground running and has already done the job before. 
So on this program, many times we've stacked up the leadership traits in terms of you know what now in the 21st century is filtered to the top, and uh, empathy usually ends up in that one slot along with a couple of others. In this industry, in your recruiting, do you see that, or is there something more? Well, empathy is big. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, really, it's those. I, I hate the term, but for lack of a better way of describing it, those soft skills. So, you know, beyond uh, the technical ability to do the job, does a person have empathy? Is a person a servant leader? Do they have high emotional intelligence? Uh, those are the kinds of things that we look for, particularly in this industry, um, to have that person not only be able to lead the employee teams, but also to respond well to that uh, resident, which is ultimately the client. And so, um, you know, we look for leaders that are, you know, not content to just sit back in the office. They're out, out there amongst the employees. They're out there amongst the residents. And, um, you know, we try real hard to find that, uh, those qualities for our clients. Well, you said two of the secret words right there for this program and our audience here when you mentioned servant leadership and emotional intelligence, because those are the themes that we bring forward quite often here. Uh, when uh, when Father's Day comes now, what what are you going to hope uh, your family gets together for you for Father's Day? You know, um, I'm kind of someone that just wants the day off. Uh, just let me relax. <laughs> On the couch, and uh, don't expect much of me, and and that's a, that makes me happy. And that would be good, you know. Just maybe a little grill work, as we have to do on the south at the barbecue at times. Yeah. but that but that'll be good. Uh, so, uh, are you much of a reader? What's on your bedside table, or what's on your Kindle right now? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm one of these people that um, have a ton of books on the shelf and a ton on the smartphone, but I I never seem to get to the end of any of them. Uh, but I, uh, I'm a big fan of a book by Jack Canfield called the power of focus. Oh, it's excellent. Uh, yeah. I have learned a lot from that book and it's, it's one of the few books that I have been able to read, uh, again and again and always get something new from it. So that's one that I highly recommend to people as a, as a, a must have on your bookshelf. Oh, that's a good one. We'll link that up in the show notes, too. So if we uh, stole your iPod or your phone and peeked at the music you listen to, what are you listening to? You know, uh, I really uh, let the music up to my wife and my kids. Um, I, uh, I'm i not much of a music buff, although if I if someone has it on in the car, it's usually classic rock or it's, uh, or it's Christian rock. Um. Yeah, but I'm I'm more of an iPod listener, so uh, <clears throat> I know uh, I listen to, listen to your uh, podcast and um, and and many others uh, in the in the leadership and the business space is kind of my go to audio listening. Oh, that's great! Well, that's very gracious. Thank you for carving out a spot for us in your playlist there. And uh, you know, the joke is this: my, my son and I, when he was you know up you know up to the age that your your boys are getting to now you know he, i fed him the same music that i like and i guess it would still be classic rock but then all of a sudden he found an album somewhere from somebody at school that just made me go that's horrible and i'm not going to say who it was but then he was off on his own musical track 
and I just went, oh my gosh, this is just this is just the pits. And then back in his twenties, we're riding around the car one day, and he throws some music on, and it's something like Billy Joel or something. I went, oh, you don't have to listen to that for me. He goes, no, I like this a lot. So it all comes back. So if you hear something you don't like, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Gee, Brad, this has been great having you on. You hit on a lot of themes. Uh, we wish you all the best with Recruiter School. That is really a, a, an ambitious project, and you know, I hope it all goes well. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? You know, uh, check me out. Is probably the easiest thing is my recruiting website, which is SeniorLivingRecruiters.com, and you can find all my contact information there. And we will link that site up in the show notes as well. Brad, Monday's a busy day for every entrepreneur and every businessman. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, thanks for having me on. And you have a great week. Uh, you too, sir. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Brad Walker, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Great conversation. I think we learned a lot from you. Good luck with Recruiter School, and we'll have you back soon. Everyone else, take care of yourselves. Alex will be back with me soon. Have a great weekend.